time for Healthy Talk Radio. By the powers vested in me, by the Federal Communications Commission. Coming to you live from the headquarters of the Global Health Network and across the world wide web. <gasps> Computers can do that? It's America's longest running radio program dedicated to your health and wellness. What's taking place here is an alternative approach. Now, the woman who's changing the face of health care each and every day. That's the fact, Jack! Here's Deborah Ray. Good day. Welcome to Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Well, he's 99 years of age. He performed his first successful coronary bypass surgery in 1964. Dr. Michael DeBakey has now been awarded the Congressional Gold Medal, the highest civilian honor, in honor of his accomplishments that span, oh my goodness, how many decades in conventional medicine. What a career. Vitamins, who needs them? With the unfolding evidence that obesity is pushing U.S. health care costs above Europe. And we're not the healthier, nor do we live longer or live better for all the money that we spend on um, interventional medicine. So what does that mean in terms of optimizing our health? Because obesity linked to malnourishment. We'll talk about vitamins, who needs them. We invite you to pick up the phone, give us a call, your questions about vitamins at 1-800-307-3002, right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Now, the news and views about the news you won't hear anywhere else. The Healthy Talk Radio News Digest. We always get to the healthcare news and views from credible sources that you won't hear anywhere else. Um, this is certainly reminiscent of what we have talked about uh, on a number of occasions, uh, but it continues not to make it through to the mindset of many physicians. Type 2 diabetes. We have sobering statistics that one in eight New Yorkers, type 2 diabetic, depending upon your ethnic group in California, nearly 10% of Californians type 2 diabetic. It is widely accepted among public health circles in this country that by years in, 10% of the entire U.S. population will be type 2 diabetic. Now, for those of you who are over the age of 40, it wasn't that long ago that it was age-related or adult-onset diabetes. We now find the fastest-growing group in this country uh, of type 2 diabetics is teenagers and the additional amazing information that perhaps as much as 40 to 60% of the entire U.S. population is pre-diabetic, already insulin-resistant. So, is the answer in another glucose, blood sugar-controlling medication? Do you need to consider what are the risks involved with the newer medications like Actos and Avandia? or some of the old standbys uh, to make an informed decision about your health? Well, in the current issue of the journal Diabetes Care is uh, information coming out of the National Public Health Institute in Finland that a lifestyle counseling program was effective and feasible in individuals with an elevated risk for type 2 diabetes. Just last week came the revelation that the care for type 2 diabetes was as bad 
as the complications and what we have now learned for many years. Look at the pioneering work of Dr. Jim Anderson at the University of Kentucky, who for 30 years did government-funded research that just by changing the composition of one's diet to a more plant-based, fiber-filled diet, controlled up to 85% of all type 2 diabetics without glucose-controlling medications. Then came the revelation in August of 2003 in the New England Journal of Medicine from Dr. Walter Willett of the Harvard uh, School of Medicine, their Department of Nutrition, that 93% of all type 2 diabetics could be reversed making lifestyle changes. And at the American Society of Nephrology's annual meeting in December a year ago, December of 2005, uh, the head of the American Diabetes Foundation got up uh, with Dr. Willett and said, you know, Dr. Willett thinks it's 90%. I think 95% of all type 2 diabetes can be controlled by lifestyle changes alone. So what is published today online at Medscape, where the conventional doctors go for their medical literature in the current issue of the Journal Diabetes Care Lifestyle Counseling Program may help reduce the risk of developing type 2 diabetes. What does that lifestyle counseling program consist of? Well, it's very simple. If you eat grains, eat only whole grains, get all the bad fats out of your diet, get some good fats, you'll recognize them because they're in nuts. Yes, the raw organic uh, nuts, sea vegetables, cold water or fish, uh, plant juices like olive oil. Uh, supplement wisely, exercise or get regular activity each and every day. Those are the simple factors that comprised what's um, uh, part of this month's journal, Diabetes Care Lifestyle Counseling Program may help reduce the risk of developing type 2 diabetes and may reverse the disease in the end. Well, what are your risk factors for heart disease? Most of us would be able, from memory, to recite a litany of them. Smoking goes without saying. Sedentary lifestyle, nope, that's not good for your heart. A diet high in animal fat, high in sugar processed foods, nope, not good for your heart. But what about emotional and spiritual factors? This is interesting. The Annals of Family Medicine, the current uh, journal, has interesting information uh, from Medical University of South Carolina. The role of various psychosocial factors. We're talking about uh, anger, stress, that psychosocial factors predict high blood pressure and coronary heart disease. In other words, disease around your heart. What these university-based researchers found is that high levels of anger in middle-aged men who had a little bit of high blood pressure going on, was associated with an increased risk of developing full-blown high blood pressure and coronary heart disease, incident coronary heart disease, meaning that they had chest pains, they were at high risk of heart attacks, and they found that long-term stress was associated with an increased risk of incident coronary heart disease in both men and women. 
those molecules of emotion. Yes, our heart is hardwired to be a, a hormonal organ as well as a thinking organ. So if you're thinking stress and burnout, <laughs> it's affecting your heart. If you're having emotional stress, it's affecting your heart. Intriguing is indeed that the heart doctor of the future may weigh the fact that these factors are as significant as smoking and high cholesterol. Psychosocial factors predict hypertension and coronary heart disease, which tells you and me, hey, it's time to relax. It's time to have some balance in our stressful, work-filled lives. That quiet, that peace, play, music, art therapy, meditation, laughter. Listen to some jokes or funny videos. You know, go online and find all the attorney jokes and substitute cardiologists for attorney. (laughs) They're really funny. And that's good for your total body health. Well, we've talked on and on about exercise. It is bona fide good medicine. Not just big muscles, um, not just keeping those pounds off, uh, not just uh, a healthy heart. It's bona fide good medicine. Uh, today at ABC News is a good article indicating if you think that you have to take time, drive to the gym, change your clothes, exercise, shower, change your clothes again when you're already time rushed, think again. There is unfolding information that one regular concentrated activity, whether it's in your garden or walking or uh, your job, counts as well. And to get in shape, it's no closer than just your home that you can do a sample workout program, according to ABC News, after an eight-minute warm-up, simple leg step up on a chair. Do it 20 times with your left leg, then 20 times with your right leg. Walkouts. Bend your knees, place yourself in a squat position. Walk back with your hands into the squat position. Jumps, tricep dips, leg raises, over the step. Interesting information, and we will post this at our website today, healthytalkradio.com, because gyms cost money. If you buy exercise equipment for your home, they take up time and space, and they cost money as well. That if you know how to do so, getting in shape is as close as what you have in your home. Back to talk about vitamins, who needs them. Our line's open right here on Healthy Talk Radio. You're listening to Healthy Talk Radio, worldwide, whenever and wherever you need us at HealthyTalkRadio.com. Now, more with America's favorite healthcare consumer, Deborah Ray. Our topic today, vitamins, who needs them? Right here on Healthy Talk Radio, as always, we invite you to join us. It's toll-free, no matter where you're listening to us, at 1-800-307-3002, that uh, many of us begin our day Every day in the same way. We get up, we brush our teeth, we may shower, uh, get dressed. And many of us take our multivitamin and mineral. And with the 48th annual meeting of the American College of Nutrition, considering the topic 
of vitamins who needs them that more than 60% of Americans incorporate a daily multiple vitamin and mineral into their routine. Can we answer the question of who needs vitamins? Because uh, just coming out was the amazing information, in fact, the published information from the Archives of Pediatric and Adolescent Medicine that um, about a third, one in three U.S. children has used a dietary supplement in the past month. You know, I was of that generation. Perhaps you were as well. Three square meals a day. Vitamins? Don't you eat right? And that dominated my mindset for many years. Then in my early 20s, after some very serious health challenges of uh, Crohn's colitis, ulcerative colitis, diverticulitis, in fact, uh, a diverticular rupture, in other words, a, a, a rupture of a little pouch in my uh, uh, large intestine, which uh, sent me to the emergency room and uh, narrowly avoiding an emergency colonoscopy, to really reconsider my diet, my lifestyle, my, my nutrient pattern. Because for many months after that emergency uh, episode, you know, first I weathered the, you know, the 10 days in ICU with intravenous um, uh, antibiotics because uh, with that rupture, that you know, released the intestinal contents into the peritoneal cavity, which means I uh, had peritonitis, was running a high fever, um, <laughs> felt really lousy, uh, in a great deal of pain because of that rupture, avoiding the emergency colostomy because they let that rupture wall off, taking the prudent medical step of administering IV antibiotics, but, you know, following all of what, what did the doctor tell you to do? Following all that doctorly advice, which to me, I found at the time, be very frustrating. It consisted of, um, eat what you could tolerate. That was just confusing as all get out. Because at the time, with a spastic bowel, with obviously uh, food sensitivities, although those uh, were undiagnosed uh, for another couple of years, with diverticulitis, Crohn's colitis, I was in one of those situations where nothing particularly agreed with me, and every so often, you know, something would set uh, set me off with spasms, very painful spasms of the bowel, to which uh, I really couldn't put together any rhyme and reason. Because by my way of thinking, and I even, uh, you know, because of, of a background in science, I got a, a bachelor's degree in laboratory science. I was working in a hospital laboratory, went on and got a master's degree in immunology, um, went on to, to do some graduate work in, um, in the field of immunology. I had a, a, you know, a fair understanding because of anatomy and physiology and, and a science background in what a good diet was. What was amazing to me as I began to educate myself that for all of that science, now a minor in chemistry, anatomy and physiology classes on a, on a university level, 
I had very little understanding of what a truly nutritional diet was. So I went to the local library. It was at the uh, the end of the block in which I lived. It was a time, I know, prehistoric, pre-the Internet, and started to, to research the health section. I started to take a look at the, the, the books about lifestyle and health and nutrition, started to exercise on a regular basis, although I had always been fairly active. I, I started a regular exercise program, going uh, several times a week to the local uh, YWCA for classes, swimming, uh, jogging, really getting a little more serious and structured about regular activity. I tried to eat a lot more plant-based foods because the books that I was reading at the time indicated that that was probably uh, a, a good nutritionally dense step. What I failed to acknowledge that with a spastic bowel and diverticulitis because I was just ignorant to how to balance soluble to insoluble fiber in my diet. And my gastroenterologist uh, recommended, oh, you need to take you know, more fiber. Uh, you know, buy yourself some Metamucil. Well, that just really precipitated, uh, every time I tried it, lots of painful bowel spasms. So I was thinking that fiber, after all, that's what the doctor said was good for me, so I would get more fiber from whole grains and uh, fresh fruits and vegetables, lots of salads, lots of raw foods. Yet it, it made my digestive tract just all, all the more upset and painful and spastic. So then I heard more of the gastrointestinal uh, uh, experts, the gastroenterologist advice to, oh, you know, you just need to take some antispasmodics. Well, these prescription medications had some uh, side effects that I found to be very unpalatable. Yes, it would relieve the painful spasms, but all the peristaltic action in my bowel stopped, which means everything I ate felt like lead because my bowel didn't have that normal peristaltic action. Uh, About the same time, I had stopped taking uh, oral contraceptives, which had been prescribed to me to regulate irregular menstrual cycles, which set off a whole host of signs and symptoms, including a two-year bout of dermatology appointments with a two-year prescription for tetracycline. And none of the physicians ever spoke of balancing good to bad bacteria. I had no idea of the questions to ask. So with this concomitant um, uh, history of diverticulitis and Crohn's colitis, taking all these antibiotics, the situation didn't get better, only got worse. And then there was the mind-body connection that I was uh, not only pursuing uh, graduate studies, working in a a hospital laboratory setting with an innovative PhD in clinical immunology and and laboratory science to to start one of the first immunology labs in a hospital based in Kentucky, came the adage from my gastroenterologist, well, you know, you just worry too much. 
maybe some tranquilizers. That was the time when the benzodiazepines were becoming very popular in conventional medicine. Well, the side effects of those were much worse than the side effects of the antispasmodic medication. So, having failed all of the traditional what-did-the-doctor-tell-you-to-do adages, I started to take a look at the digestive tract from a much more holistic nutritional standpoint. And we return, we'll talk about vitamins, who needs them. We'll open up the phone lines to invite you to join us, your health care questions. Uh, with obesity pushing U.S. health care costs over Europe, many obese not optimally nourished. Do you need vitamins? How do you know? 800-307-3002, right here on Healthy Talk Radio. The information on Healthy Talk Radio may be eye-opening, controversial, and disturbing to some closed-minded members of the medical community, but it is all well-documented and presented by credentialed guests as well as our knowledgeable host. It may not represent the views of this network, this radio station, or its sponsors, but hey, that's life. It's on the mind of many of us these days, uh, whether we're paying for health insurance out of our pocket Gee, (laughs) the cost is only going in one direction up. Whether we have employer-paid health insurance in this country, more and more often we find those costs being shifted to you and me. We have to pay more out of pocket when it comes to to health insurance. Whether we're on Medicare or Medicaid, uh, because many of those systems are more limiting in terms of what they do cover when it comes to health care. So healthcare costs, whether it's the cost of a prescription drug, uh, many of those costs outstripping inflation in this country, we recognize, just as the experts are now telling us, that we are much more likely to suffer from chronic diseases, but also much more likely to suffer from what is certainly on the minds of many, given the fact that Medicare just took a stand. I mean, it was unprecedented. It was really cool. Medicare said, we will no longer pay for preventable medical errors, hospital-acquired infections, bed sores, um, you know, complications that many of us in a consumer-driven economy would say to our car mechanic, you broke what when you changed my oil? I'm not paying for that. Somebody comes to your home to maybe fix a windowsill, breaks the window. I'm not paying for the replacement of the window. You caused the complication. So this growing consciousness, and it was pretty amazing to think in a consumer-driven economy that for many years has been so strong on the basis of those market forces that health care, which was a huge segment, in fact, the most, the largest single segment of the U.S. economy, now 16% of the gross national product, well on the way to becoming 20% of the gross national product, was a segment of the economy that seemed to be inured to market forces. 
But then along came technology, like LASIK eye surgery, like plastic surgery. And we had a model that we recognized, wow, not only worked, it stimulated competition and it stimulated quality that we could get better plastic surgery, better LASIK surgery. We could actually get the data to make an informed healthcare decision and pay less for it on the basis of the market forces. So enter this economic think tank, weighing in that our current system doesn't work. It doesn't serve us because we don't get our money's worth. It doesn't serve us because of the explosion in chronic disease in this country. Why? Well, we have a system that is great in terms of addressing trauma and emergency and is very ill-served to address chronic disease. So that comes back to 40 million cases of seven chronic diseases that could save all of us because in the bottom, in the, in, in the very end, on the bottom line, it affects you and me. It affects the price of goods and services, the cost of health care. So whether it's cancer, diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure, stroke, mental disorders, and pulmonary conditions, these seven chronic diseases could be addressed by healthy living and save the system and us in the end, $1.1 trillion. $1.1 trillion could be saved if you and I were educated to healthy living. Well, I talked earlier. In Canada, they're actually teaching students in grades 4 to 7 healthy living. And it's working so well that they're using them as health buddies to teach children kindergarten to grade three healthy living habits. Well, now wait. You know, aside from many of us being stumped by questions that a fifth grader can answer, we've seen all that on television, what is it that Canadian school children age four to seven get and can teach a kindergarten to age to uh, to grade three that eludes the entire U.S. population by and large. Healthy knowledge, healthy attitude, healthy behavior. They teach them the value of being physically active. That it's not just lip service. It's not just muscles and, oh, you know, bodybuilding and powerlifting that's so strange. That regular physical activity is essential to preventing cancer, to preventing heart disease, to preventing diabetes. The single greatest predictor whether or not we will be active and independent in our later years is simply regular physical activity. Eating healthy. I know it sounds novel, Go to uh, the uh, Internet today and take a look at school lunch menus. We'll be shocked. I mean, 
Aside from the fact that we're shocked that fast food restaurants now dominate our hospital landscape, McDonald's is in the Cleveland Clinic of all places. It's amazing to many of us who still love that model, who's the parent here, that our schools have vending machines, that fast food restaurants not only dominate hospitals but schools in this country, that on school lunch menus as we speak, our children may be eating pizza and cheese fries under the premise that it's a balanced diet for growing children. And third, having a positive body image. Really listening and knowing your body. Three basic things that fourth graders can learn. The value of regular activity, healthy eating, and a positive body image. Three things that according to the Milken Institute could save this country $1.1 trillion. So let's examine it. If that's the case, if the Milken Institute says seven chronic diseases, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure, stroke, mental disorders, and pulmonary conditions could be addressed by healthy living, what are those healthy living tips? It's as close as a couple of books that our mothers taught us from that carrots were healthy food for the eyes to fish was brain food to crust of bread for curly hair. Basic nutrition. By and large, deep colors. Of course, there's a couple of exceptions to that. Things like onions and cauliflowers and, and, uh, and turnips. The deeper the color the more nutrition that food has. The least processed it is. In other words, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and protein sources that have not been adulterated by farming methods uh, that include the use of antibiotics and hormones are all good to eat. Whole eggs, free-range chicken, uh, wild fish, particularly the, the, the deep water, the cold water fish, fresh fruits and vegetables, whole grains. And if we have the opportunity to eat them in an organic fashion, the nutrition, just look at an orange. Presented before the American Chemical Society was the fact that a conventional orange, 60 milligrams of vitamin C, Gee, I take 14,000 milligrams a day. I have to eat a lot of those oranges to satisfy my daily uh, requirement of vitamin C. An organic orange, 100 milligrams. That's an amazing increase in nutrition by eating organically. And with 90% of cancer and heart disease, so if we take cancers, heart disease, hypertension, and stroke. Those collectively, 90% of that is within our control by eating more wisely, recognizing that given the stresses of our daily life, the fact that we don't always eat whole and organic and local 
that we probably need to supplement wisely. Again, the the research is clear that a high-quality, multiple vitamin and mineral, no, it doesn't come in a a one-a-day. Water-soluble vitamins are almost impossible to get in that fashion. A source of the healthy fats, these essential fatty acids each and every day, and a source of the good bacteria, probiotics. So eating wisely, healthy supplementation, regular activity, and then certainly don't overlook the fact that emotional and spiritual health makes a difference as well. Very simple facts that could save this country if the report entitled An Unhealthy America, The Economic Burden of Chronic Disease, $1.1 trillion. That if we reduced obesity alone, no, it's not magical. No, there's not a magic bullet pill. No, there's not a magic operation. For some, those tools are necessary but basically coming back to healthy living premises, we could save our nation's economic output $254 billion by reducing obesity alone. And this country has the dubious distinction of being the most overweight, the most obese in the world. Yeah, we should be shocked, probably a little embarrassed by that. Simply addressing obesity alone, because that gets us back, if we really address obesity, to healthy living eating habits, healthy living exercise habits, healthy living mental health, emotional and spiritual habits, The rewards are many. And to, to, in essence, give up on those of a lower economic strata by indicating that somehow eating fast food is cheaper. It's not. That being sedentary, sitting our kids down in front of a, a, a television tube or a computer monitor or a video game starting at age two, is going to save us money in childcare, improve our, our, our productivity when it comes to our workplace. It's not. Just think about it. If Canadians can teach fourth graders healthy living habits and engender that fourth grader to be a health buddy to a kindergartner, and in the end it works. I've taught children's cooking classes before. They are so bright, they get it. They understand when they pick up a bottle and there's a a litany of terms that boggle pronouncing, much less understanding what they are, that chemicals don't equal nutrition, don't equal health. If you're not getting the nutrients that you need from your diet, you are much more likely to eat more, to eat empty calories, soft drinks, 
fat food, fatty foods, processed foods. You eat more because you're never satisfied. Healthy living could save us, save this country, save us, save the businesses that employ us, $1.1 trillion. We come back, we'll talk about the resources to get started. We invite you to join us, as always, online, healthytalkradio.com. If you're listening, want to listen again, if you heard a news story, want to actually see it, download it, print it, it's available to you at healthytalkradio.com. Healthy living could save this country $1.1 trillion. We invite you to join us at 1-800-307-3002, right here on Healthy Talk Radio. You're listening to Healthy Talk Radio, worldwide, whenever and wherever you need us, at HealthyTalkRadio.com. Now, more with America's favorite healthcare consumer, Deborah Ray. The report is in. Uh, Americans suffer more chronic illnesses, which means we spend more money than any other country on the planet. And now the report out, thanks to the economic think tank, the Milken Institute, the report that is entitled Unhealthy America, the Economic Burden of Chronic Disease, that we could save $1.1 trillion by healthy living. So where do we get started? We spoke of healthy nutrition, that it's as simple as eating unprocessed eating whole, eating organic, eating local. Yeah, you might have to search out some other resources. Yeah, you might think, oh, organic costs a little bit more. But if you're getting more nutrition, think of the economic burden if you're taking medications for obesity and high blood pressure and reducing a risk of stroke. And that's going to affect your ability to to you know to, to, to function, to be productive. Supplementation. Three simple supplements. A good high quality multiple vitamin mineral, a source of the good fats, a source of the, the healing bacteria, the good bacteria, the probiotics, regular activity. Yeah, it can be part of what you do daily, although we need to be much more mindful of climbing stairs, walking good concentrated activity every single day some strength training even if it's some cans out of out of underneath your your kitchen counter some regular cardiovascular exercise very simple steps health buddy program in canada is doing it for grades 4 through 7 healthy eating healthy activity and a positive body image now, I know there's some fifth-grade questions out there that stump us. But if a fourth-grader can learn to be a healing buddy, a healthy buddy to a kindergartner, what about the premise that we can all be a mentor, a role model to one other person? Just one other person you can influence in a healthy fashion by eating in a more healthy fashion, supplementing wisely, staying active each and every day, and maintaining a positive emotional and spiritual health. 
It will save you, save our employers, save our economy, and add years of quality life. Add years of quality life to your life. Healthy living, saving us $1.1 trillion. Our thanks to have each and every one of you join us. If you missed anything, again, join us online, HealthyTalkRadio.com. I'm Deborah Ray reminding you to live long, stay healthy.